What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I am Carlos Colazzo, along with Kyle Glazer, to break down the Arizona Diamondbacks farm system in top 30. Uh, Kyle, how, how's it going, man? Good, good. Uh, wrapping up. This is our uh, final National League Prospects podcast, and uh, then we'll move on to the American League. Closing out with a bang, our former colleague Hudson Belinsky now working for the D-backs, so it's only fitting that our final National League team is the Diamondbacks. Uh, they don't have the best system. Uh, I think that's fairly easy to say. Hopefully Hudson is, is hard at work trying to improve that for the future. Um, I know he's out there grinding. But for now, uh, we've got a Diamondback system that ranks toward the back of the top of the 30 teams in the league. Um, Kyle, just your general thoughts on this system. This is how we like to start it off. So obviously it, it is a system that still is near the back, but it has gotten better. Mm-hmm. We've seen uh, a couple of guys, obviously John Duplantier, you know, first full year healthy. His performance really, really uh, helped this system out because the top is what matters most. We've seen, you know, Anthony Bounda got to the majors this year. Drafting Paven Smith and Dalton Varsho helped mm-hmm. bring in Christian Robinson, uh, uh, one of their big international signings. Marcus Wilson taking a step forward. So I, I will say the Diamondbacks are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Now, that might mean they went from being, you know, one of the three worst systems to now one of the eight worst, but it's at mm-hmm. least moving in the right direction. And they're just going to keep developing. A lot of these guys are, are still in the lower levels of the minors and have mm-hmm. more development ahead. And would not be a shock if there's a couple guys who end up making another developmental jump here in the next year or two. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned those hitters and, and just guys lower in the system. You look at their top five guys, and three of the hitters that are in the top five for the D-backs haven't gotten past A-ball. So it's a ways to go for those guys. But some college hitters, you expect them to move quickly through the system. But really, what is this, what are our strengths and weaknesses of this system? We can get into that a little bit. Uh, John Duplantier, obviously, the number one guy with a breakout season. Uh, just thoughts on the general strengths and weaknesses here, though? So there's a lot of pitching. Uh, none of it is is elite, elite, top tier. Mm-hmm. This guy is going to be a you know, future selling award winner. They don't have a, a Max Scherzer in their system like mm-hmm. they did at one point in their, uh, their franchise's existence. But John Duplantier is a really good right-handed pitcher. Even beyond, you know, he's, he's only an A ball, but he's an older guy, probably ready to move quickly. Uh, the only reason he even started last year in low A has been injuries, and that's mm-hmm. the one thing to watch for with him. But he actually held up this year uh, past the 120, uh, I think into the 130 inning mark, and was at his best at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a guy that, while he did finish this year in A ball technically, I would not be shocked to see him not only in, in double and triple A by the end of next year. Yeah. He could end up in the majors. If he starts next year in double A and you know does what he should or could do, I think we could see him up. Anthony Bond is there. Taylor Clark, another advanced pitcher in AAA who's a good arm. So they've got you know three quality arms that can help them at the major league level next year. Then they have more pitching lower. Uh, Matt Tabor was one of their draft picks. Mm-hmm. Sam McWilliams did some good things a lot of people liked. So I think overall you can say there's pitching in this system both at the levels that you can anticipate helping you this year or next, mm-hmm. as well as guys who are three or four years away, but you know they're coming. Yeah. Let's dive into Duplantier, the number one guy, as you said, through 136 innings this year between A-ball and the Midwest League and the was it Visalia, I guess Visalia. he was with. Yeah. And 1.39 ERA there, an athletic guy, kind of a funky arm action, but take us through his stuff. What's the scouting report on this guy? Sure. So above average fastball, it's 92-94, but it has some sink, and he mm-hmm. commands it. So even though the velocity itself might be more average-ish, it plays up. 
Uh, and again, this guy's a really, really advanced pitcher. He's smart. He's a rice guy. Very, mm-hmm. so he knows how to deploy it. And everything he does makes his fastball an above average pitch. Curveball, small slider. Uh, when he throw he throws those two for strikes, he's almost unhittable. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's stringing he's got, out eleven guys for nine innings. So you know, he kind of throws them both. Righties, he'll use the slider more. Lefties, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll or he'll use the curveball more. Mm-hmm. Then changeup. It's also a really good pitch. Um, doesn't use it a ton because he doesn't always have to, at least he did in A ball, but mm-hmm. he's got a good pitch uh, for lefties, keeps him off balance. So total in sum, you've got four above average pitches. None mm-hmm. plus, but four above average. Throws them all for strikes. Again, durable command. You're talking your kind of your prototypical right-handed big league starter. Mm-hmm. Probably a number three, you could see him... You know, a year where everything is working and he's healthy and mixing and matching, mm-hmm. maybe even rising up to having a, a year of a number two caliber. But over the course of his career, kind of that mid number three, and even if, you know, something stalls, there's enough there to see mm-hmm. a number four starter. Okay, awesome. And then you go jump right in from Duplantier to Anthony Banda, number two. Had a bit of a struggle this year. Uh, was there any was there any chance that Duplantier wasn't the number one guy? I know we, we talk about tiering in the system when we can get into the tiers of, of the D-back system here, but was there any argument for Banda at the number one, or is Duplantier a pretty safe bet? So Nick Picoro, uh, the Arizona Republic, uh, put together a Diamondbacks mm-hmm. list, did an excellent job. Uh, you know, just it, generally speaking, you know, Banda was, was the number one guy last year, mm-hmm. but at least there was a sense that, you know, Duplantier is the guy that's going to jump him. Uh, having the year where you post the lowest ERA in the minors since Justin Verlander is probably going to do that. <laughs> Um, but you know Anthony Bond is you know made his big league debut, had some good outings, some not so good outings. I think there's a sense that Duplantier's upside is higher. Mm-hmm. You know you can see that number three with him. With Bonda, you see more of a, a number four, number five, a quality number four, number mm-hmm. five, which you need to have. Um, you know there's just some development left. Uh, he's really you know gotten stronger. He's 93, 95. Um, he'll show you upper 90s. Breaking stuff, still kind of harnessing it. Really, just he's still developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things with him is is still trying to get that that feel for a curveball and trying to just everything about pitching at the big league level. But the stuff is there. A uh, little bit of a you know has shown some poise and some ice in his veins at times. Mm-hmm. At other times, has shown body language scouts didn't love. So there's some things to work out, but quality lefty with his stuff there's normally a role for that yeah from a numbers perspective this was maybe uh bonda's most disappointing year uh but again he's pitching in reno in the pacific coast league with a 5.39 era how much stock do you put in that number i know you're in an offensive environment but the strikeout and walk numbers are still pretty good uh is that more of a case if he's pitching in a tough environment or a case where he took a step back i think it's the environment because okay. it's not just he's pitching his home games in reno his road games are salt lake albuquerque uh, you know, he, he's not getting any res- respite. So mm-hmm. I, I think and that's where we saw a lot of evaluators we talked to said, even though the walks ticked up a little bit and the ERA wasn't great, they still saw, you know, a, a number four starter. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, I mentioned those those four above average pitches. Mm-hmm. There was a sense that the changeup has a chance to be plus. He kind of, you know, reworked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, sorry, for, for Duplantier, I'm sorry. I, I'm jumping back and forth. <laughs> no, sorry, good. but Duplantier. Uh, with Bonda, though, it's it's three pitches, and it's just going to come. You know, fastball in the 90s, good breaking ball. Um, does have those four or five batter stretches where he can't find the zone, mm-hmm. but 
normally is, is able to work around it. And I think he'll get there. Just needs a little bit of time. Yep, he got 25 innings this year. Struggled a little bit. 5.96 ERA uh, in eight games, four starts. So hopefully you see more improvement from him in the future. Uh, moving into number three, we've got Paven Smith, who's their uh, first pick in the 2017 draft. Smith was taken number seven overall out of Virginia. Uh, very good hitter, one of the toughest guys to strike out in the NCAA in 2017. Uh, and More a guy home who runs than strikeouts. Yeah, that is very impressive. He's not a guy who hits a ton of home runs either, or, or who did at that point. So that's even more impressive. Um, but what are the thoughts of Paven Smith in pro ball? He's an interesting first base guy because he doesn't have that power like you expect from the position, but is a really, really advanced hitter, and I'm sure he's going to move through this system quickly. And that's the big thing. When you see a college guy go into the Northwest League, which mm-hmm. there's a lot of hitter-friendly environments up there, and not hit a single home run, there actually were a few, uh, I won't say red flags, but mm-hmm. yellow flags there. But you saw 15 doubles, you saw a couple triples, yeah, Paven Smith hit 318, 401, 415, so not a lot of separation there between the OBP and the slugging percentage, yeah. which is odd, but not unexpected, I would say, from him. You know, I, I think overall the anticipation is that, you know, as he gets into, you know, full year, he's such a good hitter, he'll run into some mm-hmm. home runs. Um, but this is not a guy that you ever expect to be a, a 30 home run, you know, middle-of-the-order master-type mm-hmm. hitter. It's more of a high average, high on base, if he can give you that 15 to 20 home runs and make it work. That seems to be the sense based off what guys saw in pro ball. Mm -hmm. But again, end of a long college season, you never really know how tired these guys are. He did hit 13 home runs in college, struck out 12 times, as you mentioned. So there's something there. Uh, There's definitely some raw power in there. Whether or not he gets that into games regularly moving forward remains to be seen. But what about him defensively? Uh, well, again, uh, there's actually a sense that he's athletic enough that mm-hmm. he could probably even potentially play the outfield mm-hmm. at some point. So so there's nothing wrong defensively. Uh, it'll be more than fine at first base. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, there was a sense that this was a guy who, you know, we talk about, you know, ones and twos. There was a sense that that Paven Smith might have been arguable as the number one prospect. Yeah, for me, looking at these guys, I feel like Duplantier, Banda, Banda, however you pronounce his name, and then Paven Smith, it seems like a safe top three. You could really make an argument for any of these guys. And, and those of you who get your prospect handbooks will note the grade on Paven Smith <laughs> is uh, equivalent to some of the guys higher than him. There you so go. just goes to show as long as the power comes, he'll, he'll probably jump maybe mm-hmm. even right to Visalia this year, yep. high A, and that's a, a hitter friendly environment. So. We'll get a good look at him and, and maybe get a better sense for his true power there. Yeah, but with Smith, definitely a guy who you're buying the bat, really advanced bat, uh, and that should continue to play as he moves forward. He's got a, a really special uh, way of going about it in, in the box. Uh, after Smith, you get to Jess Chisholm and Dalton Varsho. Uh, and I guess really once you go to number four, it seems like a bit of a drop-off. Yes. Through the rest of the 10, I'd say these guys all kind of in the same mix. Well, so the top three are all kind of together. Duplantier, mm-hmm. Bonda Smith. Uh, really, the next three are kind of together. Okay. Chisholm, Varshow, and Marcus Wilson. That's really that next tier of guys. Chisholm just got hurt this year. Uh, suffered an early season, season-ending injury, was done. But last year, I got a Francisco Lindor light comp on him <laughs> uh, based on what he was showing in Instructs. Uh, guys, very flashy, very confident, mm-hmm. has a swagger to him and backs it up. So I think as long as he comes back healthy, you know, we talk about Duplantier, Bonda Smith. If Chisholm comes back healthy and, you know, everything clicks, mm-hmm. that's a guy you could say, hey, I see a, a potential for him to be a number one prospect. 
in this system in a year. But you could also see a case where the injury took a toll mm -hmm. and the bat doesn't quite click. So there, there's a lot of different ways this can go. But a lot of people like him quite a bit. Yep, this year he played just 29 games at 248, 325, 358 in an injury-plagued season. So I guess a guy you're just waiting for to get healthy and see to, see what he can do in a full season. Absolutely. You know, Dalton Varsha, we talk about Pavin Smith buying the bat. That's mm -hmm. what you're doing with Dalton Varsha, yep. another guy who, uh, son of former big leader Gary Varsha. Buying the bat at a catcher position, too. That's going to be pretty valuable if he continues to hit and stays behind the dish. He's also a plus runner, mm -hmm. which makes him uh, unique for, for a catcher. Good athlete. It's just going to be a matter of does he stay behind the dish? Even if he doesn't, there was a sense that there's enough bat and, mm -hmm. and supplementary skills there that he could handle a move, whether it's the outfield or, or wherever they want to put yeah, him. And with Varsho, you get maybe one of the best pro debuts of anyone in this 2017 draft class. He had 311, 368, 534 in 50 games in a low A with Hillsborough. Uh, definitely good to see seven home runs with him, uh, 17 walks at 30 strikeouts. So a good line for him and a good pro debut. Uh, and hopefully more to come with him. Those bloodlines, obviously we can touch on those, but really exciting player there. Uh, really, this 2017 draft class, how much did it help this system? We already touched on two guys in the top uh, six where we at five, actually. Quite a bit. I, I mean, so it goes a couple ways, right? Sometimes when you have a bunch of your, your this year's picks in the top of your system, it's because you had a bad system. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes these guys are legitimately good. Diamondbacks, it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pavin Smith, was a top 10 pick with a decorated record. He's going to be a top 10 prospect mm -hmm. in, in pretty much any system. Um, you know, but, you know, Varsho being there, and we also are going to see Drew Ellis a little bit later down the line. He was a pick this year. Matt Tabor was another pick this mm -hmm. year. Yeah, take us through the kind of the back end of the top 10. Who yeah. are some guys who maybe stick out to you? Well, I mean, you've got those, you know, four 2017 draft picks in your top 10. And, and at the back, that's where you start to get into the, hey, these guys aren't uh, – you know, this is the strongest system. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Drew Ellis he didn't have a great pro debut, but, you know, he's, he's okay. Um, one guy that, that is interesting to me is Jan Lopez. This was a guy that the Diamondbacks signed for a bunch of money a few years ago out of Cuba, put him right in double A, and it was a disaster. He basically quit baseball and had to be talked into coming back. He mm -hmm. literally left the field, drove off, called the former director, and said, that's it, I quit. Um a lot of, lot of issues there, was not happy, was mm -hmm. away from his family. Uh, Diamondbacks basically gave him a year away and just said, let's let's get let's get you in a better place mm -hmm. as, as a human being, not as a baseball player, not as our pitcher. Let's just, you know, we want to make sure you're okay because th there was a lot of concern about just him and, and the mental state he mm -hmm. was in um, for being a citizen. And he came back this year, and they put him in Visalia, very quietly under the radar, mm -hmm. and put him in the bullpen. So you go from starting in double-A as the big bonus baby to, hey, just go down to A-ball, pitch an inning at a time out of the bullpen, and, you know, no one was, no one was paying attention. Mm -hmm. And he was awesome. I mean, you saw all the premium stuff that, in the first place, made him a guy that got, you know, $8 million. Um you know, above average slider, fastball, 97-98. The slider came in 92-93. Mm -hmm. Depth, side-to-side -side action. Really a sense that this could be a guy that filled one of those late 7th, 8th inning rolls down mm -hmm. the road. So I think just seeing him come out and have the year he did yeah. uh, was, was Very positive. encouraging. Very encouraging. And he's, he's a guy that I think if he, you know, continues to take another step forward, we could see him move up quickly. Jared Miller, lefty in AAA. There's a lot of arms here, and that's mm -hmm. really where the strength of the system is. 
Uh, Sam McWilliams, another arm and rookie. When ball. you talk about the arm, the depth of the arms here, is that is there any sure things, or is it mostly a lot of guys who maybe don't have a clear path but have a, a chance to, to impact the team in a big way? Is it more is it more one or the other for high upside versus risk? It's it's a lot of guys. So it's a lot of guys who will get there. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be uh, franchise changers, yeah. but they're they're quality pieces. You could absolutely envision a future where Duplantier and Bonda are your say four or five starters. You have Jared Miller and Yohan Lopez coming out of the bullpen. Taylor Clark as a swing mm-hmm. man. Everyone playing a role to help yeah. the team and. and those guys make a difference. And that's valuable, yeah. I think we a, a lot of times we get caught up maybe in the hype of, of the guys who are going to alter your franchise alone. But really the value you get from guys who come in and are above average or solid major league players, it's valuable. And you got to get them and somewhere. If, and if you have five pitchers mm-hmm. come up in, in, any of your, in any system, come up and be solid you know, major leaguers. We just talked about the Rockies system graduating four starting pitchers. And right. while now, none of them maybe are aces with the well, exception of – I mean, I will say, the, so the Rockies guys were better. Yeah. All four of them were clear starters. That, but, but again, yes, anytime you get that supplement from your system, mm-hmm. you're in good shape. And when you consider the Diamondbacks are already a playoff team, you know, with a lot of guys who, who you know, are going to be there for a little bit. Obviously, Zach Granke's contract uh, makes things complicated a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of guys there that you can already say, we have a playoff team. Yeah. We only need guys in the next year or two to be supplements. We don't need a franchise changer. And I think in that sense, the Diamondbacks were in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the position player side, you know, we talk about the pitchers, how they'll be ready. The position players, they're all really, really, really young. Yeah, I like only Marcus. one of their top nine position players, uh, of their top nine prospects of, that our position players have played above low class A. So, And, you, t- you know, Marcus Wilson did some really good things this year. Again, low A raw tools coming together but mm-hmm. it's still a process chisel we talked about having an injury you have drew ellis by the way sh- you talk about marcus wilson and when you have Paven smith in your system uh but marcus wilson is the guy with the best strike zone discipline that's pretty impressive you got a couple guys there that really know the zone absolutely and that's something that had to come to marcus wilson that mm-hmm. started to and i think this is the guy where we have a chance to see him really explode this mm-hmm. coming year uh and high visalia um so again there's guys here but they're on the position player side, just much further away, you know, Gabriel Maciel, an outfielder, rookie ball. There's some, some things to like, but mm-hmm. again, rookie ball. Joey Rose, a high pick in 2016, and again, had a good year, rookie ball. Mm-hmm. These are all high school slash international guys many years away. Eduardo Diaz is the best of the bunch per uh, per the rankings put together by Nick Pecora. Mm-hmm. Same thing, rookie ball, international guy. There's a lot of development left for those guys, and that's where I think the Diamondbacks are in really good shape to contend, you know, 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. maybe even 2020. But once you start seeing the position player core kind of age out, mm-hmm. there's not a clear, hey, we've got this next wave ready to ascend. So in some ways, I think this is the time for the Diamondbacks to try and strike, to continue building, to try and win here, mm-hmm. 2018, 2019, possibly 2020. All right, very cool. Uh, Kyle, I think you've done a nice job of summing this system up. Is there anything else you want to touch on before you wrap it up? I think that was pretty much it. Just, uh, you know, keep an eye on, on Jose Almonte, one of the lower-end lower lower, lower end guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Crone had a good year as a first baseman, you know, really crushed the ball and really showed some improvement. So, you know, again, this is not a great system, but there's always guys you can look at, you know, in that back 10 where you can say, hey, 
if X happens or Y happens, mm-hmm. there, there's a path there. So, Yeah, the two college guys in particular, we've barely seen them at all in pro ball, so they're going to be fun to watch moving forward. But as always, Kyle, thank you for uh, taking us through the system. If you guys want all the details on the D-back system as well as every other team in the major leagues, be sure to grab a copy of the 2018 Prospect Handbook. Uh, for Kyle Glazer, I am Carlos Colazzo. Thank you guys so much for listening.